So today's first um, readings from John chapter 12, verse 23 to 33. Um, that's found on page 762 of the Church Bibles. Jesus replied, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. I tell you the truth. Unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. The man who loves his life will lose it, while the man who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, my servant also will be. My Father will honour the one who serves me. Now my heart is troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour? No, it was for this very reason I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven. I have glorified it and will glorify it again. The crowd that was there and heard it said it had thundered. Others said an angel had spoken to him. Jesus said, This voice was for your benefit, not mine. Now is the time for judgment on this world. Now the prince of this world will be driven out. But I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all men to myself. He said this to show the kind of death he was going to die. This next reading is from John 19. If you have one of the church Bibles, it's on page 767. Then Pilate took Jesus and had him flogged. The soldiers twisted together a crown of thorns and put it on his head. They clothed him in a purple robe and went up to him again and again, saying, Hail, King of the Jews! And they struck him in the face. Once more Pilate came out and he said to the Jews gathered there, Look, I'm bringing him out to you to let you know that I find no basis for a charge against him. When Jesus came out wearing the crown of thorns in the purple robe, Pilate said to them, Here is the man! As soon as the chief priests and their officials saw him, they shouted, Crucify! Crucify! But Pilate answered, You take him and crucify him. As for me, I find no basis for a charge against him. The Jewish leaders insisted, We have a law, and according to that law, he must die, because he claimed to be the Son of God. When Pilate heard this, he was even more afraid, and he went back inside the palace. Where do you come from? he asked Jesus. But Jesus gave him no answer. Do you refuse to speak to me? Pilate said. Don't you realize I have the power either to free you or to crucify you? Jesus answered, You would have no power over me if it were not given to you from above. Therefore, the one who handed me over to you is guilty of a greater sin. From then on, Pilate tried to set Jesus free, but the Jewish leaders kept shouting, If you let this man go, you are no friend of Caesar. Anyone who claims to be a king opposes Caesar. When Pilate heard this, he brought Jesus out and sat down on the judge's seat at a place known as the Stone Pavement, which in Aramaic is Gabbatha. It was the day of preparation of the Passover, and it was about noon, the sixth hour. Here is your king, Pilate said to the Jews. 
But they shouted, take him away, take him away, crucify him. Shall I crucify your king? Pilate asked. We have no king but Caesar, the chief priests answered. Finally, Pilate handed him over to them to be crucified. The next reading follows on with John 19 on page 768 at verse 16. So the soldiers took charge of Jesus. Carrying his own cross, he went out to the place of the skull, which in Aramaic is called Golgotha. Here they crucified him and with him two others, one on each side and Jesus in the middle. Pilate had a notice prepared and fastened to the cross. It read, Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. Many of the Jews read this sign, for the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city, and the sign was written in Aramaic, Latin, and Greek. The chief priests of the Jews protested to Pilate, Do not write the King of the Jews, but that this man claimed to be the King of the Jews. Pilate answered, What I have written, I have written. When the soldiers crucified Jesus, they took his clothes, dividing them into four shares, one for each of them, with the undergarment remaining. This garment was seamless, woven in one piece from top to bottom. Let's not tear it, they said to one another. Let's decide by lot who will get it. This happened that the scripture might be fulfilled, which said, They divided my garments among them and cast lots for my clothing. So this is what the soldiers did. Near the cross of Jesus stood his mother, his mother's sister, Mary the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother there and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to his mother, Dear woman, here is your son. And to the disciple, here is your mother. From that time on, this disciple took her into his home. Later, knowing that all was now completed and so that the scripture would be fulfilled, Jesus said, I am thirsty. A jar of wine vinegar was there, so they soaked a sponge in it, put the sponge on a stalk of the hyssop plant and lifted it to Jesus' lips. When he had received the drink, Jesus said, It is finished. With that he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Now it was the day of preparation and the next day was to be a special Sabbath. Because the Jews did not want the bodies left on the crosses during the Sabbath, they asked Pilate to have the legs broken and the bodies taken down. The soldiers therefore came and broke the legs of the first man who had been crucified with Jesus and then those of the other. But when they came to Jesus and found that he was already dead, they did not break his legs. Instead, one of the soldiers pierced Jesus' side with a spear, bringing a sudden flow of blood and water. The man who saw it has given testimony, and his testimony is true. He knows he tells the truth, and he testifies so that you also may believe. These things happened so that the scripture would be fulfilled. Not one of his bones will be broken, and as another scripture says, they will look on the one they have pierced. Good morning, everybody. My name is Michael Sams. If I haven't met you before, I'm one of the pastors here. It's great to be with you to think about this extraordinary thing that Jesus has done. 
Let's do that together. Now, let me ask you, do you like finishing important goals? Yes? Do you like it? What kind of important goals have you finished? I suspect many of you have finished school. I suspect that's the case. Am I right in saying that was an important goal that you really enjoyed finishing? Put up your hand if that's a yes. You can remember the joy in finishing school. See, there is even others of you, I'll say who are older than me, who have still put up your hand because it's something that we just love to finish. Uh, I, I know kids that are, that are close to me who have done the math and accounted one, two, three, four. There are so many years left. I'm stuck at school. It is never going to finish. There may be some teenagers out there who may be thinking that exact same thing. I know that's what I thought. And so when we get to graduation, we love that finishing of that goal. Maybe it's like a building project that you just want finished. Maybe a house that is just being renovated and it's taking time and time and you would just love to finish that important goal before winter and the rains come, if they come. See, we like finishing important goals. And that's what we see today on Good Friday. Where Jesus, Jesus says... It is finished. And what we're going to do today, just for a few moments, is to consider what did Jesus finish? Why is it important? Why does it actually matter? Wherever you are with God today, uh, this is the point. This moment, when Jesus says it is finished, where if you are going to give him any sense of your time, if you're going to consider him for any moment... This is what he wants you to think about. If you're wrestling with what Christians believe and why they believe it, it's here where we see Jesus has done something at the cross, which means you don't. And for all of us, it's a great reminder in what Christians bring to God or don't bring to God. And to remind us again this Easter weekend. So what is finished? See, what is finished when Jesus dies? See, it looks to me like his opponents have won. And Jesus is at the mercy of others' actions. It kind of, kind of seems on the surface that that's what's going on. The Jewish leaders have finally got their man. He's at the whim of Pilate, Judas, who he had uh, acted out for us earlier, betrayed him. All the way back in John, we see throughout that when Jesus started to, to make these claims about himself and who he was, the leaders riled against it and wanted to kill him. In chapter 5 of uh, John's Gospel, in chapter 5, verse 18, Jesus calls God Father. The chief priests, they freak out. He's calling himself, he's saying he's equal to God, and so they want to kill him. In chapter 7, 19, and, 30, and chapter 8, 37, and 40, Jesus says to them, I know you want to kill me. And then 
after that great event that we actually looked at last week, where Lazarus rose from the dead, where Jesus brought his great friend back to life with the words, come out, Lazarus, they made plans to kill him. And here he is on a cross. He dies. It seems they're the victors. They could watch on with great delight. We got our man. We are victorious. There's great satisfaction to be had. But the thing is, with, this historic, with these records of the historically true events uh, that are on the surface of this story, what lies behind them is profound spiritual reality. As actually, actually what's going on while they did put Jesus there, he is behind it all. It's more than just, it is finished. You see, I think we can see when Jesus says it is finished, he's actually saying it is accomplished. What I have, what I have come to do, I have done. See, it's not like that picture there, the end of the road, and that's it. It's not like Jesus is thinking, well, my time's up. It's good while, it, while it's lasted. I've had a good three years and it's gone well. It's not a little bit like many of you, not me, but many, many of you are wanting to say, well, Port had two good years, but their time's up. It's not like that. He achieved something. This death wasn't a surprise. This death was no failure. This death did not require a change in plans. It didn't. Jesus didn't have to reassess and think, I've lost. They got me here. You see, the the next thing that we see is not that it was the end of the road, but actually the opposite. He was in control. He was in control on the cross. Everything that is happening is on Jesus' terms. We see that in the words after uh, he said it is finished. With that, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. He bowed his head. We see through this passage, as things are taking place, Jesus is in control. He is the king of kings, as it's ironically uh, put above him. And he's the one doing. He's the one who is the subject of all the action that's taking place. He knew it was the end. He asked for drink. He drinks the vinegar. He said it is finished. And the key one on the screen, he gave up his spirit. Everything about Jesus, he has planned for this time and this moment. So much so that the whole of the scriptures are being fulfilled here as well. All of the Old Testament, why is it all there? You could sum it up in one sentence and say, to point us to Jesus. And so there are times throughout the Old Testament where it says things that are going to happen that Jesus fulfills, and he's done that throughout his ministry. And so it's no surprise on the cross that the one who is in control is fulfilling the Scriptures. We see that in verse 23. When the soldiers crucified Jesus, they took his clothes, dividing them into four shares, one for each of them, with the undergarment remaining. 
This garment was seamless, woven in one piece from top to bottom. Let's not tear it, they said to one another. Let's decide by lot who will get it. This happened that the scripture might be fulfilled, which said, they divided my garments among them and cast lots for my clothing. In Psalm 22. A bit later on in verse 28. Later, knowing all that was, uh, uh, all was now completed and so that the scripture would be fulfilled, Jesus said, I am thirsty. From Psalm 69. And he drinks the wine vinegar. Jesus knows that everything is about this moment. And so he's pointing us back to what's said in the past and saying, I am fulfilling it. This is where I'm supposed to be. This isn't them winning. I had planned this way, way before the world existed. And here we are, and I'm fulfilling the Old Testament scriptures to show you once again. Even after his death, after he's given up his spirit, we read in verse 33, But when they came to Jesus and found that he was already dead, they did not break his legs. Instead, one of the soldiers pierced Jesus' side with a spear, bringing a sudden flow of blood and water. The man who saw it has given testimony, and his testimony is true. He knows that he tells the truth, and he testifies so that you also may believe. These things happen, in verse 36, so that the scripture would be fulfilled. Not one of his bones will be broken. And as another scripture says, they will look on the one they have pierced. See how profound it is that Jesus is not just at the end of the road. He is the King of kings, Lord of all, in control. And he's still on the cross. He gave up his spirit for us. Jesus decided the moment of his death. While Judas has guilt all over his hands, Jesus was there It was his plan. Judas can say he killed Jesus, but he willingly went. He willingly went to the cross. Jesus is not saying, well, I suppose now's the time I should give up my spirit. He did it. You see, one of the great eternal ironies when Jesus is looking weak, when he's looking defeated, when he's looking uh, to be exactly where his enemies wanted him to be, that's where he beats them. So if Jesus is where he wants to be, if the one who, who claims to be equal with God has planned to be on this place as a curse in the most despicable place facing the most horrible death that the criminals face the question to ask is what did he accomplish what did he accomplish and that's what we see we see Jesus as we had right from the beginning when Steve has read to us that passage behold Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. John chapter 1 verse 29. John the Baptist seeing Jesus arrive, his ministry starts. The plan's going to take place. What's the plan going to be about? John the preparer of the way makes it clear. 
The Lamb of God is coming to take away the sins of the world. He's come to deal with our problem. As we saw with the, with the kids, our burden that cannot be carried by anyone else. No other God, no other human, not even all of us together. The burden is way too heavy. It is our sin. And Jesus is in that place at that time to take it away. He is our sacrifice. This strange idea of being a lamb is what God's people used to sacrifice to remind them that they had a problem that needed to be dealt with. And Jesus comes and he says, I am the full sacrificial solution to everything that you need. It's not, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away most of the sins of the world, so now you guys just pick up your burden a little bit and do lots of good as well to help. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. He on the cross there points to the severity of our problem. And so we go back to those words. With that, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. He died not because he's on the cross but because he wanted to deal with your sins. He gave himself up in your place. He says it is finished because he has done it. He has given up himself for you in your place. We'll be reminded of that again a little bit later today um, when we have our, our last video and where Barabbas reflects on how Jesus took his place. Jesus wants to take your place. This is the message that we see at Easter. We see Jesus dying for us. Why is this so spectacularly significant for your life? Well, we need to consider our place. And the question that we need to ask, I think very simply is, are you finished? Are you finished coming to God on your terms? Coming to God with your own efforts? The point of reflection today is to consider if that is true, if Jesus has gone to the cross for me, what can I bring to God? Or do I need to say to God, I'm finished bringing anything to you. I cannot come and offer you anything in my hands. I cannot come and say, look, look at all my good works, God. I cannot come and say, look, look at how I've tried to be a morally right person. Are you finished coming to God with your deeds? Or maybe it's even a little bit more serious for you. Are you finished turning your back to God? And not even trying to come with good deeds and just thinking it doesn't matter or it 
it's insignificant. Or God doesn't care how you live your life, it'll be fine in the end. You see, what we have is we have Jesus, the King of Kings, on the cross. If that happened, none of us can say it doesn't matter. None of us can. Good Friday is a day when I say I'm finished. Is that what you can say today? You see, today is a day where we say all we can come with is Jesus' blood. Is that you? Can you honestly say that you trust in what Jesus has done? The extraordinary thing, the extraordinary thing about this is the burden is so great and by what God has done, we don't have to wonder whether we're okay with him. We can just come to him and know that he has dealt with it all. If you haven't done that, can I encourage you to do that today? Our last song today, we'll sing Our Only Confidence. Our only confidence is that it is finished at the cross. Is that your confidence? If today you've realised that it is, the best thing that you can do is not to walk out the door and then ignore. The best thing that you can do is to talk to your friends that are here, uh, that, that come with you, uh, to let us know so that we can help you uh, understand more and more the joy that it is to know what Jesus has done for you. That's what we're on about at t That's what we want to continue to do together. In a moment, I'm going to ask all of us just to grab the cards and, uh, and fill, fill them out. If you would like uh, to find out more about what Jesus has done, we're really wanting to help people have a chance to wrestle with it, to talk about it. And we have our life course uh, coming up. If you're interested in that, please uh, tick that box. I'd love to read the Bible with someone who wants to wrestle with it. Reading the Bible with someone one-to-one. If you just love to wrestle with it more, uh, please fill out a card. I'd love us all, whether you've been coming for a, a long time here as well, to write down your reflections on Good Friday now on the cards. If you can do that, that would be great. I'm going to give us a minute to do that um, and then I'm going to pray.